Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What a difference 24 hours makes. We led the show yesterday talking about Trump leading in the polls. And how could this be? Five out of swing states. Trump is leading in the polls. That was two days ago. but oh, Was it really two days ago? <laughs> 48 hours ago. Oh my but God. I see what you're saying. I have like zero brain cells. It's okay. It's all right. The I days, they run it together. They do. Anyway, back to my wing and away. Saying? Yes. What I was saying was that today... We're talking about this so-called blue wave, and I don't know how much of a wave it really is. but A ripple. A ripple. A big win for Democrats. Yesterday, uh, Politico described it as a banner year for Democrats. Uh, Republicans' attacks on transgender rights seem to fizzle, on abortion seems to fizzle, on legalizing or making marijuana illegal seem to fizzle, um, and Democrats won. In many states that maybe they weren't supposed to and more liberal policies won, like, for example, Ohio, the referendum on abortion rights uh, that uh, did so did not pass. Mm. And also marijuana was legalized in Ohio. So I came in with a very different view than what I thought was yesterday. That was really two days ago. So, yes, while Trump maybe was winning in the polls. We now learn, and Steve Simpson was telling us, that 90% of young people that voted and they came out, you know, voted to keep abortion legal and to keep or to make pot legal. So it was a huge turnout for younger voters, and maybe those polls weren't all that accurate two days ago. So what it tells me is uh, pot and abortion. Well, first, it continues to tell me that abortion, the uh, Dobbs decision, was a absolute... Matt, and I know that the court, theoretically, doesn't make decisions based on the political headwinds or tailwinds that they rule on the law. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Dobbs decision continues to be a massive backfire for Republicans. So the conservative Republicans who were cheering to get these justices onto the court, mm-hmm. which Donald Trump did, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh Hoping that abortion would be um, reversed, at mm-hmm. least left up to the states, which is what happened, has been an absolute uh, disaster since then for Republican candidates. And I'm so glad uh, Steve Simpson joined us. He's in the studio because he's been covering these elections more closely, well, certainly than I, maybe than you, uh, Adam. Uh, Steve, so what I'm looking at is what polls, which polls are right? Who can we trust? Because two days ago, you know, we led the show with, oh, my gosh, Donald Trump is ahead in the polls. Wow, he's beating Biden in all of these states. And yet now we're seeing some Democratic principles or Democratic candidates that have led Republican candidates in some surprise victories. So were these kids who voted yes in yesterday's elections not polled? Are those polls not accurate? Your thoughts? I think one thing we have to do, and by the way, I've been saying this for 20 years, we have to start reacting to every single poll that comes out because they're snapshots. You mm-hmm. have to take an average of the polls that come out and you have to like average them out over the course of a little bit of time. 
Again, I've been saying that for 20 years. Nobody listens to me. I'm listening now. Um, okay. what, did you say? Anyway, what, what did you just say? <laughs> Who? I forgot. Right. That's the first thing. Second thing is, um, I don't know what it says about polling, but again, I think we've learned over the last couple of cycles that polling has become really hard. And guess why? Because a kid under the age of 25 would rather throw themselves in a fire than answer a call <laughs> right. from a number that they don't know. Correct. They would rather jump off a building. So you're not getting anybody under a certain age. You're not getting the right tabulations, as they call it in the in the polling business. You're not getting the right tabs for these people. So so that's part of the problem, just with polling in general. And that can break either way. But the point is, is that you're not getting a good view or as good of a view as we used to mm-hmm. get when everybody would answer their phone when it was on a wall. Right. <laughs> and, and exactly. And not only that, but, you know, Prior to the last few election cycles, too, and I think even traditional politicos agree, is that they're really not interested in what the young people care about because traditionally and historically, young people have not show up to vote. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. That's absolutely true. And that's Mm -hmm. another thing. You know, there there, there are a lot of politicians that have been left at the altar saying, wait a minute, where where are all my... Where yeah. are my young people? They were supposed yes, to turn out. Exactly. And they, didn't turn they don't. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're right. So politicians have discounted them as far as uh, uh, trying to rely on them when there is an election. It looks like in this one and maybe in the last one, but certainly in this election this year, the younger people did, in fact, turn out and they mm-hmm. were energized. And that's the other thing with any of these, um, especially off your elections, but elections in general, you have to find out who is energized the most. And who's turning out? I mean, it sounds so simple to say, well, the person that wins, they're going to get the most votes, you know, mm-hmm. and who's going to show up to vote for them? Well, that's true, but there is a, that's a little bit more, that, that statement's a little bit more nuanced than just sounding simple. Yeah. Right? Because it really does depend on, all right, who's going to walk through a thunderstorm mm-hmm. to go to a poll? Correct. Or who's going to vote early? Because mm-hmm. we have that option now in a number of places. Mm-hmm. So th- there are a lot of things that, um, th- that are different than even they were 10 years ago, yeah. 15 years ago. Were you guys surprised by some of these results? Uh, yes. Frankly, I was. I was surprised. The Virginia uh, legislative races surprised mm-hmm. me, especially from what I'd been hearing, that the, that the Republicans had a real chance of taking over uh, the Virginia legislature. And Both the, the House and Senate. Yeah. And it turned out they didn't get Neither either one. one. And that's the abortion question, mm-hmm. which leads me to believe this. And I, I, I get what you're saying, and I totally understand what you're saying, Steve. But, okay, 2024 elections is going to be different from this election in that – Okay, obviously, abortion is a losing issue for Republicans, mm-hmm. full stop. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any question about that. But how does how do Repu- or excuse me, how do Democrats next year, especially the ones who want President Biden to win, turn that into an issue that can bring people to the polls across the spectrum of the country, specifically in these battleground states? Because the polls that we read about on Monday that showed President Trump leading in those states. Mm-hmm. That is an economic question, and it always is an economic question when people go to the polls for every four years for the president. It's like, how am I doing? How am I doing? How's my pocketbook look? And I think that's the bigger issue. That's why I would caution Democrats from celebrating too heavily over these victories yesterday, because I think the issues next year are much different. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. And I also think that. It's a long way to the election. Yes. We are a year out. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. There are a thousand things that could happen right. between now and next year. Correct. And they could break any number of ways. What I will say is the abortion issue is clearly an issue for Democrats, and it can clearly get 
their their voters out to the polls. I think Larry Sabato had a good quote this morning on our on our news, and he said the question is, will that where will that rank in the things that, to your point, Adam, yep. to the things that are concerning to the voter in twenty twenty. Four, four. Mm-hmm. and and specifically yeah. on November, whatever it is next year, precisely, precisely. Because up until and, that point, you walk into the voting booth, it's all bets are off. Yeah, there, there's just a, you're you're absolutely right. You you only are if you're a politician, you're only as good as your last election, and you have to immediately now turn your focus and say, all right, now what? You know, coming forward. So you're absolutely right. There's a whole lot that can change. I don't know. My view changed from. Being a little despondent hearing about Trump leading in the polls, because obviously I don't want him to be president again, and into thinking that, wow, these young voters Mm -hmm. kind of turned the tide on yesterday's elections because they are inspired by certain issues, you know, abortion pot, things like that. Fair enough. But what what will be the inspiration next year to get them to come out and do the same thing? And it might be the lying. It might be these kids are tired of being spun to and they're tired of the lies. And it might be the, well, the 93 indictments and the four criminal trials. Like I think the kids have a better sense of justice than maybe we do because they're new to the idea of voting and they're new to making the choice. And I think unless they've been indoctrinated in their homes one way or another, I do feel that they want to make their own choices and they want to have their own politicians. Mm. So I really think if they got a taste of voting and they got a taste of victory, because again, the Supreme Court ruled against Rome. So there you go. They decided, all right, it's up to the states. We're going to take our states back because this is important to us. Marijuana is not federally legal yet. We're going to vote in our states to get what we want. I really think this will inspire young people to understand that their voices can be heard in elections like they were in this cycle uh, in yesterday's elections and come out in droves for the presidential election. Let's do this. Let's pause. Let's keep the conversation going. On the other side, I know some people want to jump in here. 651-461-9226. We want you to jump in on this issue. Uh, how you feeling after yesterday's election and what is it? what do you feel it does for next year. I think Jordan is a little more optimistic. I'm sure. And you know my world. I am. Unicorns, rainbows, yeah. you know, in well, Jordana we'll land. 651 <laughs> Your calls and texts next. <laughs> okay, let me pose this question to both of you and our listeners. One year from today, the Wednesday after the 2024 election, who's president-elect? Based on your gut feeling right now. I maintain that. Oh, sorry. I'll turn on my mic. Uh, I maintain that it's not Trump. I don't believe the country will go for that. I don't. Am I wrong? I don't know. Dave Josephson. It's a tough question. I I mean, I want it to be none of the above. (laughs) You and me both. Um but if I had of, to, you know, if I had to bet the farm, I'd say it's Biden again. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Um, right now I say Donald Trump. Wow. Wow. Um, somebody's suggesting here, next elections will be about democracy versus dictatorship. That's how Democrats will absolutely paint it as. And um, we'll see how that resonates. But again, um, I mean, you your premise of your what's cooking, when, what's cooking Wednesday. What's cooking Wednesday. 
That's, let's do that instead. You What's what? Cooking Wednesday? That's my first radio job, we did What's Cooking Wednesday, and we had a woman on from the local uh, supermarket That's to say, hilarious. we got hot dish. Let me tell you how to put this hot dish together. How about on Wednesday, Jordana has to bring food in for us. You know? Oh, my I God. Like that that's idea. so <laughs> sexist. Oh, my God. Well, you're the oh, woman okay. in the room. I mean, yeah. oh, you should be coming. I'm surprised you have a job. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, market. I am making one quarter of what you guys are making. <laughs> that's right. I can't afford the food. Oh, my God. But no, God. You're, the premise of your Wing and Wednesday is like you're optimistic about what we saw yes. last night. Yes. But I'm saying that the issues next year will be totally different than this year. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to come up with a better way to say this, but how long can they milk abortion? You mean the Democrats? Yes. Mm-hmm. The issue of abortion. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't mean that to be flippant. No, I, I, I get I, it. I, I, because it is a very serious mm-hmm. issue that is very uh, that is comes to mm-hmm. the heart of how, how many people vote, and clearly it has continued to hurt Republicans. It is a non-winning issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also argue that Donald Trump is a losing argument for Republicans because here is another loss. You got the uh, candidate in Kentucky, the gubernatorial candidate. Total complete endorsement from Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. He lost mm-hmm. again. So that's what I mean. I, I think the power's fading, and I think more things will be revealed in the year. You know, he may lose some of these, he may lose the civil trial, he may lose some of the criminal trials. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that will prevent him from running, but I think. Or he may win them and be totally exonerated okay. and give him an absolute boost. I think he wins either way. I mean, not the election. I think he wins with his supporters mm-hmm. either way. Like, with his supporters is what you're saying. You know, we have to right. remember that every year. Yeah, there's not going to be one thing where supporters suddenly say, oh, geez, I can't believe I like this guy. Oh, mm-hmm. Now I, tr- I see the true Donald Trump now. Uh, and I think the Democrats or people who are never Trumpers have held our breath waiting for that moment right. for the last six years. Right. And it ain't coming. The people who follow him will follow him all the way. I Nobody's going to suddenly say, oh, I cannot believe I supported Donald Trump. Now I truly see what this guy is. Well, there are some people like that, but not enough. But also remember, every four years, you get four years of new voters, four years of native kids to social media, four years of kids that are understand you can't always believe what you see or Mm -hmm. who have um, decided that they don't like what's going on in this country. And in the past, those kids, though, don't vote. Okay, But again, I think we're in a different time. I think kids are smarter. You believe the children are our future believe, is what you're saying. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you, Whitney. Yes, I, I do. I believe they're more engaged. I think they want to know. I think they are on the search for truth, not just what, you know, old people tell them. And and that's okay. My own children challenge my views and I love it. I love having those conversations with them. They want to know why. They want proof. Mm-hmm. They they want reality. And and we are living in a post-truth world, post this uh, President uh, Trump past presidency. And I think they are searching for it. And I, you know, truth is, is relative. Truth is malleable as we have seen mm-hmm. in the past eight years. But I do think the kids will have a better grasp on what they are willing to stand for yep. and what they are not willing to tolerate. Let's uh, sample some of these texters. Uh, 651-461-9226. And you want to call in by all the means. Yeah. Uh, further proof polls are you are all talking about as gospel are worthless presidential polls. 
a year out are useless. Yeah. Another that's text. True. The abortion issue will not go away in the next year. Another texter. Jordana is spot on. Oh, God. Really? Democrats, Thank especially you. young voters, will be motivated in 2024 by prospects of the next Supreme Court nominee. Uh, you've got Thomas. You've got Alito that have uh, floated a possible retirement. Of course, that hinges on who wins the presidential Correct. election, certainly. Correct. But they ain't mm-hmm. getting any younger. Uh, mm-hmm. specifically Clarence Thomas, not necessarily uh, Samuel Alito. But. but see, that's interesting. Like, does it? Look at what the Supreme Court did with abortion, and now the states are making their own decisions anyway. So how much credence does a Supreme Court decision oh, really have? Oh, huge. If, like, you think, okay, look, because I think that's I think that was the central issue to why Donald Trump won, too. About, not it was, central. but I feel like it's we, we now know a little more. It was. He won, and he did exactly what the voters wanted him to do. Yeah. But we got the abortion issue. Well, they got the abortion issue in front of the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and they overturned Roe. Yep. They, that's exactly what happened. But now there's a backlash. So great that that all happened, but what does it really mean? I think it means a lot for people on the left, though, saying, okay, we need a president. We need a Democrat in the White House. So if Clarence Thomas retires or, mm-hmm. heaven forbid, passes away, mm-hmm. then we'll get – our nominee and try to even out the court a little more. Uh, just a couple more texts here. I do not believe Trump has any chance of becoming the next president if he's found guilty of numerous felonies within the next year. I'm not sure about that. Um, I agree that the young vote is key in 2024, just as my father's youth generational movement was fighting fascism in World War II. The current youth's generational moment may be to flood the polls in 2024 and once again defeat fascism. Uh, here's a thought. Why are the Democrats so confident that Biden can beat Trump in the generic state, a geriatric state he's <laughs> in today? Do they know something we don't know? Oh, they're not confident. No, oh, God, no. All. Democrats are not confident. Even the ones and, who are, even the loudest oh, no. ones who are screaming, he's our guy. Oh, no. If you talk to him behind the scenes, I guarantee you a lot of them are saying, I'm oh, not so no. Sure about There's that. rumors of him stepping down. I mean, that's why Dean jumped in. People want Gavin Newsom to run. Uh, please, Democrats are saying they'd vote for Nikki Haley. So, no, nobody is confident that Biden can win again. Adam, I think you underestimate how strongly women feel about the abortion issue. No, I don't. I don't. Mm. I, I, I fully buy. I just wondering if it's not if, if unless Democrats can frame it somehow as part of the election. I just don't. I think there are other factors next year. I just you know, that, you know, the pocketbook. Mm-hmm. The, how am I doing at home? I think those rise higher than, than abortion. I mean, it was so new that that decision was so fresh that the last couple of elections, mm-hmm. but I might be surprised. I might be totally wrong on that though. So, um, and we probably will be, let's remember, we just talk about these things. Everything changes. Nobody thought Donald Trump was going to get elected. The polls said Hillary, they were off. I mean, the, again, it always surprises us. The American electorate never ceases to surprise me. This is, again, I was surprised this morning that the Democrats had such a positive showing uh, despite the polls that came out just a few days ago. So that's, you know, that's it. That's why we're talking about it. What does it, what does it all mean? And you know what, folks? It means nothing. They're polls. We take them with a grain of salt and nobody can predict what is going to happen a year from now. Mm-hmm. I rest my case. People get paid to do the polls and then we get paid to talk about the There polls. you go. It's like football. Or any sport. We go. live and die with every game. Yeah. You don't see the long game. You only see uh, week to week. So are we going to talk about sports next? No. 9.33. Uh, we'll lighten it up. It's my wing and it Wednesday. Uh, we'll figure out what that is next on CCO. How about that tease?
And by the way, before I get to that, that was just Nikki Haley on there. We were just talking off the air about Nikki Haley, about how we're excited about Nikki Haley. Why can't we mm-hmm. see Nikki Haley? And someone said Democrats have no – this is a text. Yeah. Uh, Democrats have no interest in Haley, but she does outperform Trump in states that pose a risk to Biden. GOPers might want to cross would not uh, would not cross if Haley were on the ticket. Um, I would consider voting for Nikki Haley. I, I do. absolutely would, too. And my yes. point about Donald Trump is that he continues to lose for the Republican Party. And if I want a viable Republican Party, cut the cord mm-hmm. and find somebody else. Find somebody else. Right. Uh, all right. I'm going to lighten it up here a little bit. Good. Uh, so the Titanic, people are crazy about the Titanic. We had people die in a submarine just to go look at it, which I had problems with about the, the ability to pay that amount of money to go see the Titanic. Why are we selling items from the Titanic? Is that I, I feel poorly about that. I don't feel good about that. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. I think that's like grave robbery. Yes. In, a set, in, in essence. And, of course, the reason is because they're being auctioned off. Two, um, a rare menu from the Titanic's first-class restaurant is being sold at auction this week, as well as a recovered pocket watch that belonged to somebody who died on the Titanic. We're auctioning these items Mm -hmm. off? Help me understand why this is okay, because I don't think it's okay. That I can't do, but here's the deal. These these items should be in a museum because – I don't know who would want it in their house. There's bad juju about that. Like there's – that's somebody's last meal. And I was looking yes. at uh, what the menu – I don't know how it survived all this time underwater. I have no idea. Maybe it floated and it was rescued early. But, uh, you know, there's water stains on it. It's a damaged piece. Like can you imagine? That was somebody's last meal. So that is depressing. And then the pocket watch. Yeah, why would you want a dead don't, guy's pocket watch? Doesn't that have some like bad energy that yeah. if you put in – the house like shouldn't that be with the man under the water or maybe in a museum in a museum, in a museum. If, uh, yes it's okay that's where you go and see those artifacts because it is powerful and i'm not saying yes because and i think mm-hmm. about the i went to these uh, bloody sunday museum in Derry, ireland northern ireland and they had a museum there and there was a jacket that a young man who was killed on that day mm. wore and you can see the bullet hole in the jacket mm. that's powerful in a museum i don't want to go to somebody's house and saying hey look at this I got this jacket that was on a guy who got shot and killed. Isn't that cool? Like, no, that's grotesque. Mm-hmm. You've got money, and that's what you spent it on, that amount of money. Um, the menu was discovered earlier this year by the family of a Canadian historian, Len Stevenson, who lived in Nova Scotia where the Titanic victims' bodies were taken after being pulled from the water. Stevenson died in 2017. His belongings were moved out into storage. But six months ago, his daughter, Mary Anita, and son-in-law found the menu in a photo album from the oh. 60s, but it wasn't clear how the menu came into Stevenson's possession. Sadly... Len has taken that secret to his grave, mm. an auctioneer said, but the menu has sustained some water damage, but the list of the dishes offered uh, is still legible. The auction house said it has a handful of menus from the night of April 14th when the Titanic sank, but that still exists, but they cannot find another first-class dinner menu. So this is the first-class mm. dinner menu. The pocket watch estimated to sell for at least 50,000 pounds, about $61,500. The menu anticipated to sell for 738 or $73,800. Okay. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. So if somebody buys those items and puts them in a museum, great. Mm-hmm. If you have the money to do that, I hope there's somebody out there who says, yeah. okay, I'm going to buy this and give it to the Titanic Museum. And maybe that's the answer here. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what will happen. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I have a real problem with somebody who spends that amount of money just to say, I got this from the... It's, I mean, to me, it's I, a little gross. It's more That's what I'm saying. It's, it's and I know people buy you know guitars that belong to famous musicians who are no longer here. Mm-hmm. I feel differently about mm-hmm. this. I just do. I completely agree, disagree with okay. both of you. I okay. think that's a perfectly okay thing, especially since it's an item that can be tracked. It's not like somebody like stole it or got mm-hmm. it, you know, under false pretenses. It's it's been passed down. It has a connection. It was where the bodies were, and then passed to a family member. And then if they want that as an item to recognize their own family, great. But if they want to sell that for any reason, and maybe there's somebody else who has a connection. What if you're um what if you're wealthy and have a nice estate and your great 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 grandfather died on the Titanic yep. and in your study of your house you'd really like to have something to remember uh your family member who passed away then put a he, painting up of the Titanic and donate that wanna, stuff to a museum so that people can go watch it and then honor your well, loved ones yeah yeah but uh, a lot of museums only show a tenth of the stuff they have. A lot of it just sits in boxes in the back of the museum anyway. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily need more things. And if you have a connection to it and you're able to showcase that in your own collection, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a little morbid still. You know, here's the here's the last meal of the my grandpa who died on the Titanic. I definitely... Yeah, but who are we to to judge that person for how they, how they you know grieve. remember mm-hmm. their grandfather? If they yeah. want a piece of it, if they want a true piece of that day, then go for it. So this was found in a scrapbook. So you're saying this person the menu? I, the I menu assume the menu probably didn't survive. Somebody, I, I, I imagine a survivor probably had the menu. Maybe yeah, in their and luggage when they or what up have you. To mm-hmm. Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. somehow he maybe he just. It was given to him. Right. So it wasn't under the water. No. And wasn't rescued from the wreckage. It was in somebody's possession. Yep. And they passed it down. I don't know. I still feel like I think it belongs in a – I hear what you're saying, David. And I guess if it was a personal item from from a family member, you know, if you had a real connection – but I guess the I guess the menu I feel like it's morbid because that was celebratory yeah. and they were having like a great meal and they didn't realize it was going to be their last meal that all these poor people were going to, uh, you know, perish yes, right. uh, the next day or and the in next some two cases days. not poor people very very well, rich people poor, when I say <laughs> no, poor I, I mean I know, I know it's sad mean. that 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 happened but yeah. I don't know I um. Yeah, I don't saying, think I would want that. Somebody's agreeing with Dave here as people buy items from estates of dead people all the time. So what's the problem? Yeah, that's a little bit different. I think that is different Because that too, is I, different if you buy a, a tea set or something that you like that an estate and, and, uh, at Lake of the Isles is selling. You don't know that that person died in a horrific tragedy. So, And we also don't know if the owner of the menu died. But it was still related to a horrific tragedy. Yeah, but okay. Think about like people who collect things from the Civil War. 
era. There's a huge collector's market for stuff, and there's thousands and thousands of items mm-hmm. that I mean, there's there's not enough museums in the world to showcase all the items from the Civil War, which means a lot of those end up in private collections where people are really interested in history and they own this rifle that maybe is connected to. A family member or not a family member, mm-hmm. but it's a piece of history that they want to own and have in their own collection. It's not like there's a, um, you know, a shortage of items for museums. There's plenty in the museums too. But if that's what somebody's really into and they want to have a piece of that, even if it is connected to death and war and whatever, mm-hmm. wh- why why would we judge them for? that being the thing that they want to collect. Well, that's what we do. We judge people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think collecting memorabilia from the Titanic is any different than collecting any other memorabilia. If it's your interest, you have the money, and you're a collector. Go for it. Okay? I was and, and maybe, roundly rebuf, okay. re- rebuffed with my winging it Wednesday. Uh, no, no, no. So that's And that's okay. But It's not it's, okay. For me, for Jordana, remember my world of rainbows and unicorns, Like I wouldn't want that in my home. You know, the things I have in my home, for example, I think are positive memories. Like I have a, a set of flatware from my grandmother that mm-hmm. she used to, you know, sort of use at parties. And I was like, oh, Graham would love if we sh- we use this at Shabbat dinner. Like I, yeah. it's not yet. Yes, she has passed on and it's something that I have from her. But I, I, I don't know that maybe I would want a piece like even your Civil War example. I don't know that I want a, a dead uniform, a, a uniform from a soldier, a dead soldier. Uh, from a dead soldier in my house. I just think the energy that comes with that kind of memorabilia has tragedy mm-hmm. uh, attached to it. And that's why I feel like things that are connected to tragedy should be in museums, unless it's your own personal one. If your parent dies tragically and you have a piece of their jewelry, that's a whole different story. But this was just such a public tragedy and we don't know that they're necessarily con- – whoever buys it is not personally connected to it. They they are buying it at auction. 948 News Talk 830 WCCO. Dave is back, by the way. Should we get caught up on where Dave has been over the last two weeks? Oh. Should we do that next? Did you buy any sure. memorabilia from dead people when you uh, were overseas? No. no, I viewed a lot though. Okay. All right, let's find out next. Yeah. 9.53, that's your Linda's Construction Time Check. Time to invest in a complimentary heat map analysis with your insulation estimate. David Josephson, people just texted yesterday, where is David? We're concerned about oh, David. We were oh, missing oh, you. You were gone We were missing. Sorry. Yeah, where ha- were you? Yeah, where you been? Uh, my family was in Italy for 12 days. For the last 12 days, we just got home last night. We... Uh, flew to Milan, Italy, Ooh, fashion capital of yes, the world. That's and correct. my uh, my uh, brother-in-law and his family live in England, so they met us there for several days, and we were in Milan together. And then my family, including my brother-in-law, the five of us, um, uh, did another week traveling throughout Italy, and it was kind of like a it was kind of like a classic uh, European backpacking trip where we were. I mean, we literally like. The four of us, even my three-year-old, we all had a backpack, mm. and we were hopping from city to city on trains and buses and taking the subway and the whole mm. deal and just saw some fantastic sights. I mean, the first thing you see, we took the um, subway from the Milan airport to the um, center of town to the Domo to, like, the big cathedral, yeah. and you just walk out of the subway, and holy moly. I mean, the cobblestone streets with a giant cathedral right in front of you and people everywhere and – pigeons and uh you know people on the street it's just the atmosphere is i mean it's exactly what you expect from europe and we got that from uh right from day one and then had a great time traveling uh 
Florence was fantastic. Had one of the best meals of my life, I'd yeah. say, in Florence. What'd you and, eat? Uh, that was a steak, like a T-bone steak dinner. Oh, which yeah. Good. Milan, the age toll. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, pasta? Uh, did yeah, you have plenty, a pasta course before plenty, the steak? Uh, we did. Yeah. We did have a pasta course. I didn't eat much. I was focused on the steak. steak yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we were in Rome, saw the Colosseum, all that stuff. We went to the Chicatera, which is these five beautiful cities on the coast of the uh, Mediterranean that you can kind of take the train from one to the next to the next, and these tiny little villages nestled in the rocks. Um I think one of the coolest things about the whole trip, though, is, I mean, I'm with my kids, my uh, mm-hmm. three-year-old and a five-year-old, and seeing things through their eyes and seeing them experience new things and different things is so great. And I, I, uh, right now, the best memory I have from the trip was our final evening. We're in Florence, and we spend – we had one day to do Florence. We're like 12 hours of hitting the streets of yep. Florence, seeing as much as we can, and then we went to – um, cross the river to this famous staircase that overlooks the city. You, and people go there to watch the sunset. So we, um, you know, grabbed a drink and you sit there on these steps and you watch the sunset over the city. And then there was some street musicians that were playing in the square adjacent there. So we went and watched and they were fantastic. They're playing cover songs. It's just yeah. after sunset. We're in this plaza. There's like a hundred people crowded around yeah. them with an open space in the middle. And then my three-year-old, I was holding her. She says, I want to dance. Yeah. All right. So I put her down and there's like an open space in front of these hundred people. My three-year-old walks out there and starts dancing by herself. She's the star of the show. <laughs> and then she gets some tips. She does that. Does <laughs> that. For, no, yeah. she did. A little busking. And then she does that for 10 minutes. And then she walks over and grabs my hand and pulls me out in the middle. And you and said, I'm not dancing. Dancing Get over there. Here. We're dancing there in the square. Oh. And a few other people joined us. And I, it's one of those moments where I'm like on the edge of tears and I'm like, I know I will remember this moment for the rest of my yep. life. These are the good old days. It's happening yep. right now at a random square listening to street musicians in Florence with nice. my three-year-old. So it's fantastic. Lovely trip. That is so beautiful, David. And I love how you appreciate all of that. And I love how you travel the world with your three and five-year-old and you make it happen because that's who you and Katrina are. And your kids have learned to be incredible travelers. So Now back to work. Quick takes. What do you got coming up? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just told that story. I forget what I have on quick. Oh, Walmart's making a big change to make shopping a little easier. And is it too early to turn on your Christmas lights? We'll find that out next. No. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.